Claire, how are you, lovely? You all right? I'm very well, Chris. How are you? Not so bad at all. Uh, I mean, first of all, Claire, has it been a busy year so far for you? I'm guessing with all sorts of things and all sorts of legislation as well. It's been out there. It's been a busy time. It has been a busy year. And um, particularly the cost of living crisis has really impacted victims and survivors of domestic abuse because it's just given uh, the perpetrator another tool in which to control them with. And that's awful, isn't it? I mean, uh, taking advantage, I guess, out of a sort of uh, a painful situation in more ways than one. Absolutely. And if um, a victim has no access to money, it makes it much easier for them and the children to be able to, much harder, I mean, for them and the children to escape. And it makes it much easier for the perpetrator to control them if if they're in charge of the money. And the cost of living crisis has put the pinch on everyone. Yeah. And uh, it's made things very difficult. And there's been a lot of um, talk about this, hasn't there? And a lot of sort of uh, legislation coming out uh, recently, actually, the last few weeks or so, uh, about uh, domestic abuse, particularly, as you said at the moment, of course, uh, with the funding shortages and things like that, all having a bit of an impact. And I'm guessing perhaps sometimes on, your, on the work that you're actually trying to provide. Yes, I mean it has put a, it has put a squeeze on things because obviously um, we need to be able to pay staff, we need to be able to pay, pay rent on our buildings, the refuges, we have leases, we have to pay gas and electric bills. You know, it's making providing services really difficult. Um, and actually, this is the time when people really need our help. So, um, you know, we've been working really hard to apply for additional funding elsewhere to maximise um, the grants that we can get so that we can carry on delivering services. It's, it's been challenging then, to say the least thing, Claire, really, hasn't it? Yes, it's, it's very challenging, but, you know, not nearly as challenging for us as it is for the women, children, yeah. young people and men that we work with who are affected by domestic abuse. And that's the focus that we always need to think about, that our service users are supported and that we can continue delivering services to them. I mean, have we had any sort of, I mean, since domestic abuse has been taken more seriously uh, now than perhaps it was, say, 10 years ago, are, are we sort of getting any closer to sort of you know, understanding or perhaps even educating about the seriousness of, of, of this? Well, we are to a certain extent. I mean, sadly, we're not, we're not getting any closer to eradicating domestic abuse no. because two to three women are still killed a week because of domestic abuse. And they think that actually up to 200 women a year take their lives due to the domestic abuse they've suffered. So um, we've got no closer to eradicating it, but we are talking about it more. Schools engage with us really brilliantly. Um, We're able to go in and do early intervention work with children, young people, um, about identifying domestic abuse, but actually also about looking at their own behaviours and what they will tolerate. Um, and, uh, you know, topics around informed consent um, and actually what expectations they have. Um, So, you know, it's really good. People are talking about it a lot more. And uh, we're we're currently um, in the 16 Days of Action, which follows International Day of the Elimination of Violence Against Women and Girls. And actually, schools across Hampshire are really um, engaging with our campaign. Um, And we're going into schools and colleges um, including Portsmouth University, where we've gone in and we've done our red, a red flag board, which is about doing some work with, with young people and children in schools around looking at those red flags in relationships that um, people need to identify, which might indicate that um, that relationship isn't as healthy as it could be. 
Are people still getting the hint? Are they still ignoring advice, perhaps, you know, of how to identify, even if, if they don't even realise they're being abused? Well, you're absolutely right. Some people think um, that their experience is um, normalised because it's been going on for so yeah. long and they um, think that that's what they need to expect. So that's why we like to do some early intervention work. We like to have awareness-raising sessions and conversations about healthy relationships, highlighting the fact that language that's used might act as red flags um, and, you know, really doing work which will make people recognise what are healthy and unhealthy behaviours um, so that they can identify um, what healthy or unhealthy behaviours they might be expecting in their relationship. And that's a difficult thing, isn't it, to, to actually recognise it in the first place? I think recognising it's quite hard and then also mm. um, asking for help. You know, there is quite, um, you know, unnecessarily, but there is shame attached to it because if you've been told by the perpetrator that nobody's going to believe you, that you deserve it, that you're useless, you're worthless, you're fat, you're ugly, whatever, you know, your confidence has been ground down. So at the point that you recognise that what you're experiencing is domestic abuse and you want to ask for help, You've also been undermined by the perpetrator that, that maybe you won't be believed or maybe you deserve it. Maybe it's around your behaviours. So actually, it's a really brave victim or survivor that comes forward and asks for help. And that's what we need to remember. Um, and one of the things we're actually also going to be launching soon is a friends and family service to actually help friends and family uh, identify and support members of their family that are experiencing domestic abuse. Because that's another thing, isn't it? Because obviously, if the person doesn't want to ad admit it that they're being, uh, not persecuted, but uh, you know, certainly involved or in a, a situation, domestic abuse situation, at least a friend and a family can perhaps identify uh, and perhaps then go on to, to contact organisations such as yourself. Oh, well, absolutely. And sometimes it's not that the victim can't identify it. It's that maybe they've been isolated from yes. their friends and family. And the friends and family are recognising these behaviours but haven't got access. And one of the things we can do is support them with um, techniques for how they might be able to remotely support the victim and survivor to maintain their safety and access services. And that's the thing, is that how do you, I'm guessing perhaps some people don't really know or don't perhaps understand how you differentiate what's actually classed as domestic abuse. One could be just an argument or something or, you know, or just, um, what's the other word I'm looking for, domineering perhaps in some ways. But, I mean, how would you sort of class domestic abuse in that sort of circumstance? Yes, so, I mean, it is really difficult because obviously... Um, it's quite a thin line, isn't it, really, in some it ways? Is. People, people, you know, in a heat of the, in a heat of the moment, um, people might think, oh, you know, what would I recognise this as? But you know, we would say that it's intimate partner violence. It's a pattern of behaviour in a relationship that is used to gain or maintain power and control over yeah. the partner. So it's quite different. Because it's not just physical, is it, Claire? Either that's the other thing as well. It's not just oh. physical; it's mental as well. A bit of mental health issues going on here too. I'm guessing there's all sorts going off here. Yes, it is. And we've also, um, in the last few years, we've had the new definition of coercive control, which is a systematic pattern of abuse and control, um, you know, uh, which is, can be as debilitating and as impactful as physical violence. Um, you know, it, we need to remember that, uh, you know, domestic abuse is, uh, you know, a lot broader 
than just physical abuse. That includes emotional, psychological, coercive control, financial abuse. Um, there's a whole multitude of abusive behaviours that can be used by the perpetrator to control the victim. And that can be sort of money as well, as you said earlier, of course, monetary and, and, and that kind of thing. And it's quite sad that it's, uh, years on, this still happens, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And I think, you know, that's, that's an issue that, you know, our, our organisation um, is over 40 years, 45 years old. Mm. Um, the National Federation of Women's Aid is going to be 50 years old. You know, it's not really a celebration that organisations like ours have been delivering services so long. Um, you know, we don't want to be here in 50 years' time. We want to have eradicated domestic abuse. Um, but, you know, we need we need a system change, not just in um, violence against women and girls, but in, you know, um, you know the, the environment that we live in, the world we live in, and the patterns of behaviour that are accepted. You know, we see the issues with... Andrew Tate, the misogynistic dialogue that takes place on social media um, and uh, YouTube and uh, streams like that. And we need to be challenging that. And until we change um, the perception of gender roles in society, we are never going to achieve a world without domestic abuse. No, and I guess it's attitudes too, isn't it, very much so? Yes, it is. And I, you know, I think that we need to ensure that um, every... A uh, reasonable individual um, would condemn domestic abuse, but actually we need to be looking at why people perpetrate domestic abuse. And um, as well as providing services to victims and survivors and their children, which are, for us as an organisation are our actual core aim, um, we also need to look at services that can be provided to those who use unhealthy and abusive behaviours. You know, those perpetrators of domestic abuse that want to change their behaviour um, we need to be able to engage with them. For those who don't want to change their behaviour, we need to get them into the criminal justice system and they have punitive measures against them. Yeah, very, very sort of uh, touching subject. I'm guessing in some ways celebrities are probably talking about this quite a lot too. We're finding it more and more in, in the news, aren't we? We're seeing it more and more in the news. And I mean, particularly yesterday, we saw Derbyshire police um, yeah. being uh, highly criticised for their inadequate support to um, a beautiful young woman, um, Gracie, who they failed um, to protect her from her stalker, and she lost her life. And the, um, you know, the criticism they're experiencing is quite extreme. And actually, we need to be talking about it. Um, people are quite, can be quite dismissive of stalking behaviours and say that people should be flattered. You know, they should think, oh, it's nice that people are giving them attention it's not it's terrifying and um not just the police but all agencies that can support victims and stalkers need to be aware about what they can do and the risk that those victims of stalking experience and you can victims of domestic abuse experience stalking from their uh perpetrator of domestic abuse mm. but actually um there are other types of stalking which are you know can include uh, strangers um, people who they've had no intimate relationship with, people maybe they who they work with, um, you know. But we also have, you know, predatory stalkers who, um, you know, are much more deviant in their sexual practices and interests. And, you know, we need to, we need to make sure that all victims of stalking are safe and protected. Yeah, too right. 
I mean, this is the thing with with all the work that you do, you, you have to be funded. And a lot of this, of course, is obviously you get grants for, but you are a charity, aren't you? We are a charity and we uh, work really hard to carry on generating income. So we apply for commissioned contracts from the mm. local authorities, but we also apply to funding streams and, and grant funders. But we also do direct fundraising. So we have people who donate to us. Um, we have people who do direct giving. We have corporate partners who may give us donations. Um, uh, you know, so local, local organisations, so fact-based, uh, foundation, which is a Haven't-based uh, organisation, uh, supported us re- recently on a fundraising activity that we were doing and gave us a donation. But also, um, this week, they let us have a stand in their fact-based foundation shop in the Haven't Town Centre so that um, family, friends and victims of domestic abuse could come and get um, information from us. And they're all worthwhile, isn't it? I mean, that's the thing, but... Again, if people want to find out more information about the fundraising side of it, how they can make a donation, all the details are on the website anyway, aren't they, Claire? They are. Yeah. So just Google Stop Domestic Abuse and uh, you will find us. And there are lots of pages on that website that will give you help, whether you're a victim of domestic abuse, if you're a male victim of domestic abuse, if you're somebody who's using abusive behaviours and you want help, if you want some information about how to support children and young people, but also how to fundraise for yeah. us. There's a, there's a wealth of information on our website. And you're launching a newsletter too for, to keep people up to date as well, aren't you? Yes, we are. So um, if people are interested in being on our mailing list, um, you can register for that and we will keep you up to date on all our activities all the information, you know, all the information of new things that we're doing and any events that we're running. If people find themselves in a, in a particular situation, particularly with Christmas now, just a few weeks away, really, uh, what what can they do, Claire? What's the best way? So, if you are in fear of your safety um, and you are scared for you or your children, then you need to dial nine nine nine. You, the police will treat it seriously, and that is the first thing you need to do. But moving forward, if you want support and advice and help from us, you can either contact us via our website, which you will find if you Google Stop Domestic Abuse, but you can also call us on 0330-0533-630. And we have an advice line. We have dedicated staff who run the advice line who will talk to you um, about what support um, you need, what we can offer you, and you can talk to us about uh, your experiences and how you think we might be able to help you. And, um, you know, we do treat it confidentially. And although we do want people to engage with our services, we do have some people who just ring up to find out a bit of information because they will take short, tiny steps in seeking our help. You know, not everybody mm. wants us to arrange an outreach worker to come and visit them or them to move into a refuge straight away. If you need that, we will do that. But actually, if you just want some general advice and information, please also do ring us. OK. Claire, we're out of time. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks, Kenon. Thanks for Kenon this year as well. Let's hope 2024 uh, is a better year for, for, for people listening tonight. But uh, they they know there's advice out there if they need you. And I think it's the best way to put that. So that's how everyone keeps safe this Christmas. And hope we have a, a happier 2024. Claire Lambon. Happy Christmas to you. We're talking in a new year. You take care. Cheers, Claire. Bye, lovely. Bye-bye.